0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at, again, we just looked at verses 1 through 11 last week. We're going to start at 12. Again, as we look into God's Word, I've got a picture on your way there from Kayla So, Caitlin hasn't, I don't think I've gotten a picture from you for a long time. So, this is great. I kind of go in order if I've got them uh, recently. So, here was the last, here's, this is great context for us. This is going to help because we're going to start right after this verse. This idea, verse 11, count, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There was that, that call of Paul, consider yourselves, count yourselves that way and alive. And so there's going to be some things that flow out of that. So thank you, Caleb, for turning that in and drawing that. And for you other kids, they're up in the back. On your way out, just sometimes take a look. Maybe you already do, but need to see their pictures that they're drawing here. So, all right, well, let's, let's look to God's Word then and read further from where Kalen and verse 11 left off. Verse 12 of Romans 6, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Let's pray once again. Lord, we ask, again, as we come to your word, that we don't come just to read some ancient ancient book, but we come, these are your very words, and so we pray that you would, again, work by your spirit in our hearts, work in the one who is preaching and in the one who is listening. Lord, would you cause us, the verses here talk about thanks be to God, Lord, it's, it is your work in us moving us while we read, while we study, while we think. And I just pray that you would ignite thoughts of praise towards you and thoughts of conviction. or that you would challenge our minds to be drawn towards your greatness and, and, a, and a greater love and out of freedom that we would run to you. And So would you just guide our time by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think this passage is Paul's way of saying you cannot serve two masters. You know, Jesus has said that. Um, I've got a picture to show you, and I don't know if anyone is back there to show it. <laughs> so, um, I've gone missing. That's okay. Oh, Linnell's got it. <laughs> Can you go to one picture for me, Linnell? Now you would be like, well, that, was that worth it? I think it will be. Okay, This. thank you, Linnell. <laughs> That's it. I don't have any other pictures, so great. I love it. Um, I've shown you, shown you this picture before. Maybe some of you have seen it. I think it has some German origins. Uh, it's got kind of these two ways, if you can see on the left side. I did bring the pointer, didn't I? On the left side here, it's kind of got the, the, the wide way. Oh, it's got kind of out of battery, but you can see it, the wide way. All the people are heading that way, and it's just the path of destruction. And in the end, the fires are going. But on the right side, there's just this narrow little door, and it's kind of called the, the narrow way and it's the narrow way, but it leads to to life. And you've got the the glorious pictures there on the right side of this. For those in Christ, today's passage ought to challenge us in our new life in Christ. And the challenge is really in regards to who our master is. Are we heading towards the? Are we on the where the world is, or on the right side on the narrow way? The the thing about the picture, though, it's a little bit misleading because it shows the people down at the bottom is kind of like, well, I could go this way or that way. The fact is we're actually all in the gate already. We're already well on the way towards the fiery flames down at the end. That's that's where we are in our sin. And unless God do a miraculous work in our hearts and pulls us out of that, that's that's where we would be. But as you live for Christ, you are, and you can think of it as this picture, you are either on the road as Paul's going to challenge us to here in this passage, on the road toward obedience or on a path to destruction. And you might say, well, I'm in Christ. I'm free. Grace has saved me, right? Do I need to worry about how I live? The question is, what has it saved you toward or to? Has grace got you merely just out of sin's consequences? You're kind of, you're out of the path to fire. You're kind of back in neutral land. I'm just... Well, at least I'm not on that road, or what has grace saved you to, or is there a new path that you are on? And Paul's call here in our passage, which is really God's call, is that we have been set free to be on the path to be slaves to righteousness. All right, so let's get into our text here at verse 12. Look at verse, and I'll start in verse 11 just to get in context. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You can see verse 12 flows out of verse 11. Since one is in fact dead to sin's power and in fact alive to God in Christ, that's that's the reality. And the call is first negative. Then don't, don't let sin set up shop in your life. Don't let it have authority. Don't let it reign. And so this is kingdom language, this reigning, you hear kingdom language here. We have been buried and raised with Christ and so we are set free from the reign of sin. And yet God calls us here in this passage, this verse alone, to not obey the passions of the body, which means that there's still passions and desires that have not vanished completely. There's still this wrestle going on. And one question might come up, came up to me. Well, we might ask, why would God, when he saves us, why, why would he not completely just eradicate the passions of the flesh of our body? Why not just do away with it so that we would, we would never sin again? A couple of quick answers, maybe there's more, but just quickly. Number one, in short, this is the easiest answer. In short, we acknowledge. Because it's how God has ordained it. It's what he said. It's what's presented to us in Scripture. And so, blessed be the name of the Lord. We wrestle in this, this vessel, this body, until we are one time glorified, transformed, renewed with the Lord. But do we have any other clues? And number two would be Romans chapter 5, verse 20. So your eyes shouldn't have to go very far where it says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. In the midst of sin, your repetitive at times sin, God's grace and therefore his glory is made known in your life. Israel Israel would be a prime example of the steadfast love of God and what that looks like. And number three, further, I think God's grace is at work in us to train us while we wrestle with the flesh, to train us to do what? To depend on him and to come back and to show us again the glories of the cross and his grace in Christ all over again. But in all of this, we don't want to forget the promise for those in Christ that we, that we looked at the, the first verses, really, of chapter six here. The reign of death and sin, it is over. So don't obey the passions of the flesh. Verse 13 continues on. So do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. This idea, and hopefully you heard it repeated, maybe as I read it, there's an idea of presenting yourself. It's, I've got it five times in this section, just in where, where we're at, and it's part of why you might go, well, my Bible divides us up a little differently. It's partly of why I've put this as a section together, 12 through 19, because of this very, Paul seems to bookend and speak about presenting yourselves. And so we see that uh, one, one, another way to put this idea of presenting yourselves would be to put at someone's disposal, to be at someone's disposal, what they want. In other words, don't put the members of your body, to quote the first part of the verse, don't use them, your hands, feet, I don't know, eyes, your mind, your ears, your members, who, have, who you are, don't put them at sin's disposal to be used as instruments for unrighteousness. And Paul's using instruments as imagery here. Later he's going to use slaves to help us understand what are you getting at here, Paul? I think the ESV is right as it uses instruments. You can think of tools here. Uh, one commentary, and maybe others want to use the idea of weapons here. I, I think it's closer. I think instruments and tools is helpful, I think, in the context of what we're looking at here. So we're going to go with that. If you think about tools or instruments, they're used to help accomplish a task. We use tools to fix a car. We don't call them tools in a kitchen. Maybe you do in a kitchen. You call them utensils, help you cook a delicious meal. You use implements out in the field to help you grow, help you bring in the harvest, all these sorts of things. And so Paul negatively says, don't use your body, whatever Parts there are as a tool for unrighteousness. Now, in verse 13, there's an echo here of verse 11. As you see, you're, so don't present your members of sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to, go, to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And so Paul turns from don't present them to present rather, positively, your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And so there is no middle ground here, is there? There's no neutral area. Your body and the passions within are moving towards sin and unrighteousness, or they're moving towards God and righteousness. You're not just hanging out in some middle area. And so we ought to consider the use of our hands and our feet in our ears, what have you been watching? What have you been setting your hands to? Where have your feet taken you? Where has your mind taken you? What kind of field has it been working? What has been cooking in you? A dinner of unrighteousness or a dinner moving towards the Lord in righteousness? Our passions are at war. Paul calls you as a Christian to present yourselves to God. Why can he call us to this? Verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. sins because because of this reason you are not under law but under grace. Now again, the word dominion here, it's a word describing think of authority or rule or master. Sin will not have this rule. The NASB and NIV speak of sin as no longer being, they use that word, master in there. And so by God's grace in our lives, we have a new master, a new Lord. The same word behind dominion, the same Greek word there is the same behind our Lord Jesus Christ, curious, the Lord. So we're out of the lordship of sin in our life. It doesn't have that authority. We're to give it to Christ doesn't have that dominion over us. And how? How is this the case? Paul brings up the law. He says, you're not under law, but under under grace. Sin's rule, I think, is in fact, it's law-based. Paul already has said, he said the law increased the trespass. So, for instance, think about this and sin and the law. Think about just one, one commandment. To not covet what your neighbor has. Do not covet. Just think about that. That one, in fact. If we take this seriously, just think about it. Examine your own hearts. And I think we'll find coveting, in some ways, just rampant all over the place. Maybe we look at a family. I don't have a family like that. Or I want, maybe kids, I want parents like that. Or parents, I want kids like that. We, we're we looking across the fence. I want the house they have. Or I want the vacation man, what a cool vacation. I want that vacation. I want, and there's just this, I would rather, and there's covet That's just coveting. So sin's ruling power is seen in light of the law, shouting to us, condemning us, that says you will never fulfill it. All- That's just coveting, and we're failing at that. What about the other, the other nine, we could say? It's the law. But if if we are dead to sin and we are alive to God in Christ, which we are, the law does not own us. We need not fear it. Leon Morris writes this. He says, were Christians under law, their inability perfectly to keep the law would have left them still subject to sin. And then he later writes, but Christians are not bound Their salvation is God's free gift. They are not dependent on their ability to keep the law. They are free from the tyranny of sin and of law, free by God's grace. The law does not have an authority and a power over me, and sin's power no longer has dominion. With that truth and that you are under grace, not law, so then, verse 15, Paul comes again with the question, what then? Okay, if you're thinking on this and you're not under law, but now you're under grace, well then what then, verse 15 says, are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? And his answer is, by, by no means. We're kind of back again to another type of loophole type question here based on the truth of verse 14. If someone's not under the law, but they're under grace, there is a certain freedom that exists, freedom to sin. And in other words, you might look at it and say, well, grace frees me to sin. And in that statement lies, I think, the heart of what is going on, at least much of this passage. Being free from sin, what is it that you, Christian, want to do with that freedom? What do you want to do with it? It's like the prison doors have been opened from the law. The law we were imprisoned in sin, it's open and you're out. And it's like, now what are you going to do with that freedom? Where do you go with that? I think, is it Southwest Airlines, a tagline? You know, you're now free to move about the country. I don't know if that's them. You can correct me later. But it's that idea, what do you want? And what is freedom? And here we've dug down to this motive. What do you want to do? with your freedom our passions in the flesh i think would desire a freedom to sin oh well, man if i can sin and i'm not under law and i'm well this seems pretty good or maybe maybe we say it more nobly we just want freedom from the guilt of sin but is that all that new life offers just just guilt-free living in this way kind of a yeah i sin but i'm but i'm forgiven and what i'm saying there is not it's lacking a Godward focus, just kind of a horizontal view of, I'm forgiven, so I'm free and not guilty, and just kind of this. Without this, what am I free now to do? Are we not free now from this pull and reign of sin to worship and obey God? That's where the freedom takes us. I think we get this wrong when we look at freedom from sin as a way to just merely get out of consequences. It's kind of a, phew, glad I don't have to deal with that. No, you're free for a purpose, something you've been called to, and that is God. Not a, not a neutral living, but the freedom to obey God, which is in essence how we glorify God in our lives. You want to glorify God, we obey Him. We're free to do that now in Christ. Look at verse 16. Do you not know that if you are present, do not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, here's the slave language, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. There's no obedience, again, middle ground. Your freedom does not bring you to a, a sort of no man's land. Doug Moo writes this. He says, There are two and only two options open to every person. Either one is a slave of sin or a slave of obedience. One is never free from a master. And those non-Christians who think that they are free are under an illusion created and sustained by Satan. You either obey sin, which leads to death. Think of that broad road. Slaves to obedience leading to death to righteousness. Now, two quick words here. A question may come up. We'll get to that in a second. A quick word, Paul, on his use of slaves here. This is slave language. And for us in America, we've got some history and thinking about slavery in the United States. In the Roman era here, I think slaves were pretty common. And it shares some similarities, but it's also different than the history, than our particular history. History in our country. Some, some similarities, some differences. Unlike the forced enslavement of just, just Africans, you know, it, it, there in Rome it wasn't based on ethnicity or color. Slaves maybe were forced into service, yes. Some were Rome's enemies and so put into service, but that was because they were an enemy. So it's less about ethnicity, color, that sort of thing. I've, I've read some uh, Roman slaves even became, I think, doctors. So it wasn't just, a, just the lowliest of lowly. They had good professions as slaves. Some would just even just voluntarily become a slave to pay off debts. That said, the expectation, though, slave to master is the slave will do what the master wanted. And there was penalty for not doing what the master who owned you said to do. They were at his bidding. And I think it's that illustration here for Paul. The reality is you are slaves either to sin or to righteousness. But, and here's the question, is Paul now showing somehow that that morality and right living, okay, now obedience, now is he saying it leads to righteousness? That's what he's saying, kind of a works righteousness and it's earned by those who obey? That's a good question and pondering this I say, of the Lord, my eyes were led back to Romans 5, verse 19, which I just think speaks loudly to this. So look at verse 19, Romans 5, 19, where it talks about by the one man's, I'll just read here, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And so thus here, that's verse 16, slaves of sin leading to death, but by so by the one man's Obedience, the many will be made righteous. Our reigning in life, even our obedience, is not disconnected. It is entirely connected to the reign of the one in whom we have died to sin and been made alive in Christ, Christ Jesus. Paul makes that clear here in the scriptures. Our righteousness is in Christ. And if you be in Christ, you will begin to look like Christ. Was Christ just kind of neutral? Like, I don't know, I guess my dad, my father sent me to do this and take it or leave it. So there's not neutrality with Christ. He came to do my father's will and he did it all the way to death. If we have died to sin, if we are alive to God in Christ, so must we all the way. Whatever commitments we've sang, and I appreciate Milt praying about it, Lord, give us the strength and the ability by your spirit to do what you've called us to do to look to him. Let's bring this back now. Look at verses 17, back to chapter 6, verses 17 through uh, 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of of righteousness. Do you have a yearning for righteousness in your life? You may not fully be there. You said then there's a lot of unrighteousness around. Do you have a yearning for it? Thanks be to God. Do you know Jesus? Thanks be to God. Have you a conviction of sin? Have you faith in Christ? Thanks be to God. You get the point. But thanks be to God. He has given you a new heart to obey. You become obedient, Paul says, from the heart. Remember Romans chapter 2, verse 29. A Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter, not by the law. The law cannot renew our heart. God can, and He does by His Spirit. So His praise is not from man, but from God. The obedience Paul's calling us to is no mere outward decision. I feel like obeying today. I think I will. It is worked in us by God Himself, wrought by His Spirit in our lives. So Paul can say, thanks be to God. And when Paul speaks here of obedience, he speaks of obedience to the standard of teaching to which you were Committed. You've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. I think it's, it's a way to say you've come under gospel teaching. Uh, I think the, the word teaching there could also be translated as doctrine. You've come under sound doctrine, the teaching of Christ. A couple verses, Acts 2.42 speaks of the believers who devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's on, the, on the, your insert there today, even for our devoted that, they, that the people, the believers, had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 2 John verse 9 says, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. So the standard of teaching, it's not all super clear, but I think we're on pretty solid ground to think of this teaching as coming from the Word of God. It's connected to the gospel. It's the teaching on Christ. And so God has set you free, verse eighteen. Having been set free, having been set free from sin, He sets you free to become a slave—a slave of righteousness. This is what would characterize the true believer. Think of it this way: Jesus puts it this way, Matthew five six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. That's a God brought about. Thanks be to God who gives us that I didn't I didn't have this appetite for him before and he's done that in you. The Christian who does not hunger and thirst for righteousness is an anomaly. That is that's not a true Christian. We have times of slipping, we have time, we have these we wrestle, but this habitual I have no hunger. I have no thirst for righteousness. That's not in line with who we are, the very Christian of Christ, followers of Christ. Now, it's not a hunger and thirst for righteousness for our salvation. It flows out of it. It's for the Lord Himself. It flows to God that we have been slaves to sin. We were going there. He's opened our eyes and we see the Lord and we can run after Him now. Because of what God has done, we can be slaves to Him. Look lastly at verse 19 then. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification." Paul says here they've got natural limitations. He speaks in human terms, that is, the human ways here, using slavery, Think of instruments because of their, their natural limitations. Another way to say it would be their flesh is weak. They've got a weak flesh. I think Paul is simply asserting in regards to understanding new life in Christ that our flesh is still weak to understand all this. We struggle. Jesus himself told his disciples, be on guard. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we need help, even help like these illustrations, to understand our position and where we are in Christ. We can Think about this. Even in, in your, just think about your own study, your natural limitations, in your own study of the word of God before us. Again, nothing new here. This is the Word of God that we believe He's revealed Himself to us. And, but how many times are we just kind of, we're just bored with it. We're bored with studying the doctrines that come out of this Scripture. We are not in peacetime. We are in war, in a battle for the flesh. The, the world rages around us, the devil prowls around, and our own flesh is weak. But thanks be to God, He helps us. He helps us understand Paul using illustrations like tools and instruments and slavery to understand what it looks like to live for him. This theme is going to continue past verse 19 and where it talks about leading to sanctification. That's going to come up as we look at this uh, next week. But the call of Paul here comes back in this verse 19 to, again, present yourself. Be at the disposal of, present your members as you presented your fleshly members as slaves to sin and sin upon sin, as you did that, so now present your members slaves to righteousness. Actually, there's a Greek word here that a Greek word that is is now and you've got it I think in your in your English, so now do this. Get to work at it. It's not it's today, it's not yesterday, it's not tomorrow, it's now. Get started. It's what God's grace has called you to. So we ask, what about you? Perhaps you are yet in slavery to sin. My challenge to you, have you turned in repentance to turn to Christ for salvation, to run to Him as your Savior and Lord? And then for those that would say, I am now in Him, the call is now, now in Him, Live in Him. Don't think you're in the middle ground and neutral. Don't just be okay with Jesus and okay with sin as well. The Master says this in Matthew 6, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Leon Morris writes, For all of us, in the last resort, it is sin or God. It cannot be both. The power and imprisonment of sin is the law. It shouts to those who hunger for righteousness. The law shouts and says, what a failure you are. You can never get there. It's like a, it's like the law has a rope just tied around us. We want to run to God and there's this, this rope that is tied and i'm hungering and i i want to be righteous that's that's the heart that's the obedient heart that god is has worked in you by his grace i want the lord and there's this there's this tug and yet there's the law and i see this it's like grace in christ just clips the rope and that's slavery to that what do you do if i had a rope up here i thought about having kids up here a rope just tight if i just just pull tight like i want to run and the rope got cut it would just fling us to the lord it's the idea of being flung to the Lord to be glad slaves to him. It's a joy. It's not man, the pastors talking about slavery. I don't that's not me, that doesn't sound it's a joy. It's what it's what your heart in Christ wants to run after, the Lord Himself. So run after Him. God's grace sets us free to obey Him and serve Him as our master. Despise the lukewarm middle ground in your life. Because in reality, it's not there. You're either on the road, tempted, serving the passions of the old man, the old flesh, or living in the reality, if you're in Christ, of what you are. You are dead to sin and alive to God. So live for Him as a slave unto righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us who are weak in the flesh illustrations. We are to be and present ourselves to you as an instrument in your hands, an instrument for righteousness. And Lord, in each one of us, if we're honest, our instruments at times or often are dull, or are cooking up things that are against you. And so, Lord, we come to remember 1 John, the glorious passage, to confess our sins, and you are faithful and just to forgive us, that that fellowship would be restored. Not that we're resaved again, but our fellowship restored in you. So may we come and confess often, and confess with a mind towards Christ, our Savior, who has brought us out of darkness into light. And Lord, may we gladly lay down our lives. I think we sang that today. Would it be our joy, Lord? You are our wonderful, magnificent, almighty, eternal, infinite, all-powerful master. So Lord, may we as a body present ourselves to you as slaves to righteousness. May it be our joy. And may we just get a foul taste for the middle, neutral ground of indifference. Lead us to you. Always remembering Christ as we go. We pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.